You want it. You need it. It's what everyone's talking about. The Kevin Sheehan Show. Now, here's Kevin. You're listening to The Sports Fix. All right. I'm here. Tommy's here on this Tuesday. Aaron's here. The show's presented by Window Nation. If you're in the market for windows, call 866-90-NATION or go to windownation.com and tell them we told you to call. Good morning, Tommy. Good morning. It was almost good afternoon by the time you showed up. I showed up a little bit late this morning. What was the problem? I had some traffic issues. Really? Is that so? (laughs) I did. I did. I had to go into Bethesda to take the dog to the vet. Uh, And And, what what happened? What should have been a half-mile trip, maybe it's a mile. It's probably a mile. It was 25 minutes, nearly 30 minutes to go a mile. I just don't I, understand I'm these. Surprise! I get so frustrated in traffic. I I, I just can't. can't believe st- and I I I really really now can empathize with your commute. <laughs> Thanks. Not really. That makes me feel. How a lot long better. did it take you to get in this morning? Actually, it wasn't too bad today. About an hour and a half. All right, good. Did you have any uh, uh, coffee cake on the way in? No, but I bought. Some, I've got some bread. I, I went down the Safeway. <laughs> you got, got the got Safeway some, baguette. I got the Safeway baguette. You got a little jam to throw in that baguette? No, no jam. I, I just like the bread. Yeah, baby. you just like the bread, baby. I don't like anything to get in the way of the taste of the food. All right, we got a lot to get to today, and I know that I don't you, think we have a lot to get. to. I think we do have a lot to get to. I would imagine that you have um, an opinion on what Josh Norman said and what DJ Swearinger said uh, about the fans and about the home field uh, advantage or, or disadvantage at FedEx Field. And we'll get to that. But I, I wanted to get your impressions just on the Redskins' win in Tampa overall. <laughs> I, was, I was very impressed. I mean, it's hard to be very impressed when they give up 500 yards. But uh, they were everything Tampa wasn't. I mean, basically, Tampa was unprofessional, no composure. Just They were like the Redskins would have been. You know the ball that uh, Ryan Anderson punched out that, you know, shot in the air about 200 feet and bounced about 20 or 30 yards. Nine times out of 10. In the old days, a a Tampa player recovers that ball in the end zone. For a touchdown. For a touchdown. The fact that the most shocking part of that was that the Redskins recovered the ball. This seems just to be their year. Things just seem to be working for them. So far, it seems to be going quite yes. well for them. Yes, it does. You know, I like, mean, because they're, they're, I mean, you know, they're it, living right. They're head scratching victories, a lot of them, and they had they had no business winning this game. Yet, not only did they win it, they held a, a, a good Tampa offense to three points and did one of the things we thought that they needed to do: create turnovers uh, to score. They're third in the league right now, plus 11 behind Chicago and Cleveland in the turnover margin category, which they haven't been in years. We've been talking about that through all of their wins. I would I would tend to agree with you that this was the game. They've got six wins. This is the, this is the one out of the six that you look at and say, 500 yards of offense for Tampa. Already one of the league's highest scoring teams anyway. Uh, and somehow the 500 yards translated to, to three, three points, points, which is unprecedented in NFL history. We talked about that on the show yesterday. It's never happened that a team's had 450-plus yards in a game and scored three or fewer points. Um, when you say that the you know a game they shouldn't have won, I don't know that, if it, that it was a game they shouldn't have won. They deserve to win it because of some of the things that you said. They... 
they actually put out uh, an effort that allowed the unprofessional effort to give them and hand them yes, the win, did. which is the and NFL a lot of the time. I know. But what I was going to say is this is the only one that was odd. The win over the Cardinals was dominant. Yeah. The win over the Packers was very much earned with a dominant first-half performance. They scored 28 points in the first half yes. of that game against Green Bay. The Panthers win. They jumped out to a big lead. They deserved to win that game. They deserved to win the Cowboy game. They really, you know, the score wasn't necessarily reflective of how badly they beat up the Giants in the game in the Meadowlands. This was the one where, you know, all you got to do is look at the turnover discrepancy and you would know that the Redskins either won the game or certainly were right there against Tampa. Um, But this was the one that just was odd in the way it sort of developed because they had four defensive plays the entire afternoon, but all four of them were hugely influential to the final score. Other than that, they didn't tackle well. They didn't cover well. Part of it was strategic. I've I've learned uh, from yesterday's podcast that, yes, Minuski uh, pretty much talked about, hey, their 4-2 speed can't hurt us once they get get to about the 20-yard line. Right. Once the field gets shorter, there's only so much fast they can run. So there was a bend-don't-break strategy against Tampa. Um, but you know the Redskins did did smart things like they've done in the six wins. And look, the 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 three losses that they have, two of them are to teams that they're not more likely than not they're going to lose seven out of ten to to Atlanta, yes. and they're going to lose ten out of ten more likely than not to, to New Orleans. To New Orleans right now. Um, but I, I the, and, and here's the other thing. Yep. Uh, because I'm I, I'm very critical of Jay Gruden in a lot of ways. Uh, for not having his teams ready to play, can't say that about this past Sunday. I mean, this was a, well, this it was, was off a loss. This remember, this was a team uh, uh, full of walking wounded, uh, an offensive line decimated, uh, still without uh, some of their top offensive weapons, and they did not look confused. They did not look like the team that felt like they like they were vulnerable. Uh, and I'll give Jay Gruden and his coaching staff credit for that because, you know, I, I, I've criticized them when they've come out and looked flat in, in, in big games. This was a big game. Uh, and uh, they, t- they, they were by far the more prepared, better coach team on, on Sunday. Here's the one – a couple of things um, after the fact. First of all, that offensive line, and I went back and watched some of the game yesterday, they really were prepared for this game. Bill Callahan and his – area of the coaching staff deserves a lot of credit Absolutely. for this game. Um, Alex Smith was protected. He was protected yeah. when when he threw. Uh, and the other thing that I wanted to mention, and I didn't mention yesterday, I talked about the lack of offense and the fact that they were playing, you know, a defense that was so limited. Um, and, you know, the, the, the as they did, uh, as they've done a couple of times here recently, Atlanta's defense was limited, Tampa's defense was limited, and I went back because Atlanta lost to Cleveland on Sunday, and the Browns are not what you would call an offensive juggernaut at this yeah. point. And the Browns against that same Falcon team that the Redskins faced uh, a week ago, the Browns rolled up 28 points and 427 yards and averaged 8.5 yards per play. They only snapped the ball offensively 50 times and had 28 points, 427 yards, 8.5 yards per play. 
And this is the concern moving forward. If Let's play a little bit of what are we concerned about. This isn't a revelation. Obviously, you all, most of you feel the same way. But the Redskins a week ago against that same Atlanta defense, all right, managed 287 yards and five and a half yards per play. So this is where you've got to get significant improvement over the final seven games because they may be able to do what they've done in their six wins another three or four times to which, win a which division. Probably will win you the division. To win a division, especially now. Look at Philadelphia's injuries. Yeah. They lost Darby. Their their secondary is a mess. They are going to get run out of the building Sunday in yeah, New they, Orleans. They've got tough games ahead of them. In, in fact, one of the things I want to get to um, on this show today, maybe here in the first segment, is I'm actually starting to believe that the Cowboys may be the bigger threat in the division. I don't even know if I'd consider them that much of a threat, but the Thanksgiving Day game is going to be a big game for both teams, regardless of what happens this coming Sunday. But Philadelphia is decimated in their secondary. They are clearly off offensively. It's not the same team it was a year ago offensively. And with that secondary in tatters, do you really think they're going to beat the Saints or the Rams on the road? That's two more losses for Philly. You can pretty much lock up right now. Now, could the Rams lose half their team to injury over the next few weeks? Possibly. But based on what we see now, that's two more for Philly. All right. And Aaron said this yesterday on the podcast. He goes, there's a possibility the Redskins could get swept by Philadelphia and still win the division. Yes. And you know what? He's right. Yes. Now, I don't think that the Redskins right now facing this particular Philadelphia team I don't think it's a sweep. I think they've got a good chance to win one of the two games against the Eagles. But the point is, is that Philly really now appears to be on the verge of being knocked out of this thing. They're going to be four and six. Then they get the Giants and the Redskins and the Cowboys. They get three division games, but... That defense, from a secondary standpoint, is banged up, and offensively, there's not a whole hell of a lot that's going right other than Wentz to Ertz, which is a great combination. Don't get me wrong. And they can win some games, but the Eagles aren't winning more than nine. This might They're be, not winning more than nine. This might be the worst Super Bowl team Oh, no, no. There oh, have no. been others that have come back and had losing seasons. Tampa, actually, Tampa after they won the Super Bowl. Oh, yeah, right. the Giants, uh, their, after their first Super Bowl, had a bad year. The Redskins, after they yeah, won it right. in 87, they were 7-9. Seven seven and nine. Nine. You're right, you're right. Um, so the Eagles are uh, – well, look, 7-9 and is not out of the picture for the Eagles. They, they also didn't have – they had their Super Bowl-winning quarterback start yes. the season, but they didn't have their quarterback – start the season and he's played better in recent weeks. I'm I'm getting off topic here. The point is is that offensively still if you look at what Cleveland did to Atlanta, if you've looked at what other teams have done to Tampa off you know to, to their defense, this is the, the number one concern. The number one concern is are they going to be able to get enough offense going to give you some hope if you get there, which I think the odds are now in favor that they're going to get there. Yes, to the playoffs. To the playoffs. Can they get into some kind of rhythm and some kind of production at, at some legitimate production level to give you a chance when you get to January? Right now, there's no sign of it. No. None. No. Now, you hopefully will get some players back. Jamison Crowder, although they're doing an, another MRI on him. Chris Thompson's injury, Tommy, this appears to be, this rib injury is serious. 
Like I, I, I don't sense that he's coming back anytime soon. No. But they are excited about Trey Quinn, who could get called up this week. You know, Jake, Mr. Gruden, Irrelevant. Look, you know, Jake Gruden's the one who's excited about Trey, Trey Quinn. He's a big fan of his. We t- we heard a lot about him in training camp. Right. And, you know, I've heard some of the Redskins media just automatically assume that he's going to have a big impact. And I don't know where they get that from because we have no evidence that he'll have a big impact one way or the other other than Jay Gruden's infatuation with him. He was also infatuated with Ryan Grant. <laughs> yes, he was. <laughs> but for a different reason. He liked Ryan Grant because Ryan Grant was so coachable and smart and tough. Trey Quinn, Cooley broke down the film after the draft, and he said, this guy's a, a legitimate NFL slot receiver. Now, Crowder should be their slot guy. Yes. Um, but we may get a chance to see Trey Quinn this week. They lost another player yesterday, one that I don't think they're that upset about losing at this point. They don't. They didn't want this kid injured. Jaron Christian, right. Christian, their third round pick. He uh, he banged up his knee. He's out for the year. He's on he's tore his MCL. So he's on to injured reserve. What about the game that John Cooper had off the street? Off. The, that's what I'm saying. He got coached up well, Tommy. Yeah. You can't. You can't bring somebody in off the street with all the calls they have along the line of scrimmage, the pass pro calls, the checks that they have, and have that offensive line as a unit perform the way it did on Sunday without really exceptional oh, absolutely. coaching. I, I, give them, I give the Redskins staff a lot of credit for that win. There, there were things. I mean, there were a couple of runs that were blown up. He had a couple of penalties. Uh, Moses had a terrible holding penalty, which was not holding. Oh, it was not holding. It was ridiculous. Yeah, but the the pass pro, when you go back and look at it, there was time, um, much more time. And maybe Alex, you know, was a little bit off. I thought he was inaccurate a, a lot of the day on on completions, on on throws that he made. I thought were were inaccurate. And maybe he was thinking, I'm gonna, I I gotta get at, you know, I got I gotta get get. I got to get the ball out of my hands very quickly uh, right now um, because who knows uh, how much time I'm going to have. But he, they did a hell of a job coaching the team. Hell of a job coaching the team. They really did uh, on Sunday. Yeah. And this plus 11 turnover ratio, you look at it every year. Not every year. Like I, I was looking at this last year, Tommy. One of the um, I'm going to pull it up right now because I forget specifically what the team was. You know, the the – the turnover margin category typically is the stat that if you look at and you look at the teams that are significantly positive, that they're almost guaranteed well, to be remember, a playoff team, but not last year. You remember the Saints Super Bowl team? Yeah. They had a great offense. They had a horrible defense, but their turnover ratio was through the roof. It's like the 83 Redskins. The Redskins, had you know, no one will ever be at plus 43 again. Yeah. But the defense, the Pearl Harbor crew, that was the nickname because it was bombs away <laughs> against their secondary. I think that, that uh, year. the Saints had a plus 28 uh, turnover ratio the year they won the Super Bowl. L- but, and it was not a good defense. But listen to this. So last year, among the top five teams in turnover margin, three of them did not make the postseason. Baltimore led the league last year, plus 17, did not make the postseason. The Chargers were third, plus 12, did not make the postseason. And Detroit was fifth, did not make the postseason. Usually that stat holds up. You know, you get the top five and four of the five, if not all five, are in the postseason. Not last year. And in fact, uh, a couple of years ago, I think it was the same thing. There were like three or four out of the top ten that didn't make the postseason. So you need a little bit more 
than just turnover margin. But turnover margin is going to give you a chance. It gave Baltimore and the Chargers a chance up until the final week of the season right. to get to the postseason. And both and, of those teams combine, were ravaged by injuries, too. And, and you combine that with the self-destruction of the rest of the NFC East at the same time. Where, where you, have, you have opponents saying... What do you want us to do this week to make the, your life easier, Washington? That's pretty much what's happening here. I mean, ever look at I mean, this is this is this is like playing a hot hand in Vegas. That the Redskins hot I mean, dice every, table every, keep hitting points really, over and over again. It, it's like everything. I mean, it, it it's coming up. The dealer's not hitting squat at, at the blackjack table, and you keep hitting twenty one. I think. Um, yeah, it's almost like, you know... And you're, even you're, when you hit a 15, the dealer's hitting a 14. <laughs> well, if you've got 15 and the dealer's got 14, you better be holding <laughs> on 15 versus a 4. Um, but if it's it's like you're sitting there and you got, you know, you get dealt a 2 and a 3 against a jack, and you're like, oh, God, take a hit. All right, it's a 4. Uh, now, you know, I take a hit, and it's, it's, a, it's a 9. So where am I now? I'm at 16, and I take another card, <laughs> and there it is. Yeah. I got a 5. <laughs> and, and, and really, it is – they're living right. I mean, look at the Dallas game. You had a field goal hit the, you know, hit yes. the uh, upright and fall off. You've had Redskin, – the Redskins have had a couple kicks that have gone in off of the upright. Dustin Hopkins and Tressway are significant factors on the team. It's amazing the, that the Redskins are 6-3 and three because right now, um, from a scoring standpoint, they are near the bottom of the league. They are Right now, they're 26th in the league, averaging 19.6 points per game. However, there's a team two spots below them, Tennessee, who's only averaging 18.7 points per game, and they're playing really good football. They also right now statistically have the number one defense in the NFL, I believe. And just coming off a huge win over the Patriots. Huge win over the Patriots. Uh, there were a couple of other things that I wanted to get to on the team before we get to the whole Josh Norman and DJ Swearinger thing. I wanted to just follow up on the conversation about the Cowboys and the Eagles. The Cowboys of the three teams in the division, I think have the best defense. I think the Cowboys are the best defensive team in the division. And Van Der Esch is, is turning and is having an unbelievable year. You know, a, now Deron Payne is having a great year as a rookie. And I haven't gone through the list of defensive rookie of the year candidates, but Van Der Esch is definitely one of them. Yeah. And they're, they're now able to play a little bit without Sean Lee. The Cowboy defense without Sean Lee's been usually toast without him there. But Van Der Esch is, has added a lot. I'll tell you another guy who's added a lot in two weeks, and they paid a lot for him. But Amari Cooper looks really good right now. Yes, he does. For the Cowboys. Uh, I believe the Cowboys are the Redskins' biggest competitor the rest of the way, even though the Skins play the Eagles twice. I may be completely off my rocker, and and this may be a laughable thing that you can mock me on later, but I think because of the Eagles' schedule, because of their injuries, I don't think there's a chance that they win more than nine games, and more likely than not, they're an 8-8 eight and eight team at best right now at 4-5. and five. Like they, they can go 4-3. and three the rest of the way, which would get them to eight and eight. If they go five and two, which you're, you're, I'm giving them losses in New Orleans and against in the Rams, LA. that's good for nine and seven. Now, 
that if they swept the Redskins and the Redskins ended up nine and seven, they would you know they would win the division. I just have a feeling the Cowboys. And I'll tell you what, this line at Atlanta Sunday is short. Cowboys are going to have a chance to win the game at Atlanta this Sunday. Three-point line. I'm surprised by that. I thought Atlanta would have been more at home against the Cowboys. And then they get, if somehow the Cowboys won Sunday in Atlanta and the Redskins won or lost, wouldn't matter, it would set up a a big Thanksgiving Thanksgiving Day game, like important to the standings game. And it would be the last chance for the Cowboys to really get themselves back into it. They still have games against the Buccaneers, the Giants, they play the Colts. They play the Eagles at home. They do have to play New Orleans, the Cowboys do, at home uh, in Dallas. But I think defensively, they're good enough to win games. And offensively, with Cooper and Elliott, it's been, they haven't been very exciting to watch, but they put some stuff together there on Sunday night in Philadelphia against yeah. another good defensive team that's banged up right now. I agree with you. I think the Cowboys have potentially the biggest risk. Uh, but when we're talking about the biggest risk, we're not talking about a big risk. They're two different things. I mean, I don't think the Redskins have a big risk in front of them other than themselves. <laughs> well, okay. Yeah. And it's always themselves. Yes. Which, by the way, that will but be that a part of the conversation seem, when we talk but, about Josh Norman and DJ Swearinger. But that doesn't seem to be the case this year for them. They don't seem... They're, they're, they're not... The aura of self-destruction is not hovering over this team right now. It's not right now. No. It's not right now, but sometimes when you – how many times have we gotten confident for a brief moment about arrow pointing up, direction of the franchise? That's why there's so much caution. Of of, Of course. Which is another part of the conversation when we get to DJ Swearinger and Josh Norman's comments. Uh, This is a question just for you. Because you're the one that's probably thought about this. But do you think that Alex Smith continues to have the full vote of confidence as the team starter for the remainder of the season? This is just a question for Tom. Because I know it's gone through his mind a couple of times. In part because he loves Colt McCoy. But do you think there's any chance, any chance that that could happen? I, I, I'm sure. Well, you... again, I still, I still think that if he has a bad first half, I mean, like a self-destructive first half at some point, that Jay Gruden will pull the trigger and put Colt McCoy in at halftime, not as a starter moving forward, but as a, a relief. relief. Yes, I mean, I, I think that's that's what I've been predicting. That's possible. Uh, he seems to have the backing of the locker room, Alex Smith. I don't see, I don't see any lack of vote of confidence in him if, if things continue the way they are. The players around him seem to like him, and that you know if you've got the locker room, you get, you're fighting half the battle right there. Not only will he survive as the starter the rest of the season, and will never ever get benched, in my view. He's going to have a couple of really good games down the stretch. And they're playing good defensive opponents. The Eagles are banged up. They lost Darby. Mentioned that already. Um, But they're playing good defensive opponents the rest of the way. But he's going to have a game or two down the stretch where it's like, ah, start. they're starting to get it now. He's getting in rhythm with his receivers. He's starting to understand what Jay wants. He's starting to read the blitz. He's starting to be more accurate. He's going to have a couple of those games. I, I... 
if he has a couple of those games, they should win going away against some of these teams coming down the stretch because some of these teams they're playing also like them aren't big scoring teams either. They just played back-to-back the two biggest scoring teams left on their schedule. Right. The uh, Now, you're basing this on what? I'm basing it on I've watched Alex Smith's career in two different places, and I know that he's capable of having big games. I know that he's capable of playing well. I know that he's capable of making a lot of plays in a game using his legs and creating but time, like the play he this, made on the touchdown is pass. Is there anything this season to indicate that he's going to do what you think he's going to do? The last two weeks you saw the best drive of the year against Atlanta when they were down 14 nothing. And last week, given the circumstance, 6-3 game, 6-3 in this day and age in the NFL, in the fourth quarter, it was 6-3. They needed a touchdown to make it a two-score game, and he delivered on the kind of play that he's delivered on throughout his career. In the red zone, creating time, allowing on a condensed field his receivers to get open, and he made a great Alex Smith type of play and throw. That was a big play, maybe the best throw, play, touchdown pass of the season for so him. We're so we're talking 20 the, minutes of, of, yeah, the, but, but, of the season so far. Yeah, but it's been back-to-back. It's been very recent. It's a okay. recent 20 minutes. Okay. I actually thought he got into a little bit of a rhythm on that drive, too. See, I, I don't think he's shown you anything this year to indicate that he's going to be better. I don't think he has. And I think any hope that he is is based on what he's done before. And when you're 34, 35, sometimes that doesn't work. I will say this. I will tell you this, that it would have been interesting. Not interesting. It would have been bad. But I'm just saying it would have been an interesting dilemma for the team had, let's say, they lost to the Cowboys. The Cowboys made the kick at the end of regulation, forced overtime, and won the game in overtime. And let's just say that Tampa only had two turnovers instead of the four, and they scored two touchdowns and won the game 17-16, the other two red zone turnovers. Take away two red zone turnovers, turn them into touchdowns. You still had a plus two. You needed a plus four yes. or plus three to pretty much win the game. And they were sitting here at four and five instead of 6 and 3 with no offense and poor performance a lot of the time at the quarterback position that would have been an interesting dilemma for the team i still don't think they would have ever pulled the trigger they you tommy we know these people and there's no way they would admit failure that quickly yeah but you no see, way but but let us remember that when jay gruden makes a decision at halftime He's a long way from the front office. <laughs> like he did that one year. Yes. Where he benched he is a uh, Kirk long for Colt. way from the front office. And we know he likes Colt. Yes. Uh, it's not going to happen. This this conversation is pointless. They're 6 and 3. Alex Smith hasn't done anything in any of these 6 wins to impact the game in a positive way necessarily, but he hasn't hurt them either. He has fit into this let the other team lose the game. The Redskins are number 1 in the league. In giveaways, number one. Remember my with prediction. With seven giveaways through the entire season, and Smith week, has a lot to do with it. My prediction last week for the Redskins' great moment of the second half of the season. Alex Smith implodes in the first half in Dallas, throws throws two interceptions. They're getting beat 16-3, to ironically, and Jay goes to Colt in the second half, and he leads the Redskins back to another win 
in Dallas. The Clint Longley reverse game. <laughs> Did you know that when Clint Longley came into the game in 1974 on that very famous or infamous, if you're a Redskins fan, Thanksgiving Day game, that the score was 16-3? to Yes. Did you know that? Yes. And he led them to three touchdowns and a 24-23 win. Real quickly, before we get to the Swearinger and Norman conversation, uh, I did want to just say that uh, I, 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 I was rooting for Eli Manning on the final drive last night. I don't think that the Giants' problems this year have been Eli-specific or only uh, or solely an Eli issue. They've had a terrible offensive line all year long, and he got the ball back last night with about two and a half minutes to go down 23-20. to 20. And I, I guarantee you a lot of football fans and a lot of Giant fans thought no chance – Eli's done. There's no chance he leads a, a, a long drive for a win. Look, this is a game. I, yes, I was watching that game last night. I was watching that game, and I had the Giants uh, plus the three. But uh, the at the very end, Tommy, he gets that ball back. They got a couple of breaks on calls. Uh, there was an interference on a, on a first and 20 or second and 20, excuse me, that was huge on that final drive. But Eli went six for nine on that final drive, let him 75 yards and threw the winning touchdown pass. And he looked like Eli. Uh, you give him time. Do you think Eli Manning's a Hall of Fame quarterback? Yes, I do. I do too. I do. I mean, uh, people don't. If you look at his career statistics, they'll surprise people. He's got about 350 career touchdown passes. He, I think, when you've had, you know, not and two Super Bowls to not, go with it. Now, what people will say about those Super Bowls, they were really defensive-led Super Bowls, especially in the Super Bowl games and the Super Bowl wins over the Patriots. I just last night when Eli took it over, if how I, I doubt many people were watching at this point, you know, a, a game between a two and seven team and a one and seven team, uh, or whatever the Giants were last night. Yeah, I think that's what it was because I think the uh, 49ers haven't had their bye yet. And he had to go 75 yards, and you know, he did it. Like he made some big throws on the drive, some big throws on the drive, and and they got bailed out on a couple of penalties. Well, the the, the interference that they called against Beckham uh, Jr. Um, I thought was a bogus call, but uh, it the Barkley uh, hold, which was a big third down hold that gave him a first down. I thought that was a legitimate call, but he drove him nine plays, seventy five yards in about a minute and a half, minute forty something like that, and the the the, the Giants showed last night. They are not a terrible team. I haven't thought they were one of my picks. Aaron, Aaron remembers this. Uh, Baltimore and the Giants were the two teams I picked this year to have turnaround seasons and end up in the playoffs. And it looks it, the Giants aren't going to be. It's clearly aren't going to be one of those teams. And Baltimore, more likely than not, won't be either. So are you bragging? <laughs> no, but what I'm saying is, you know, if you've watched the Giants this year, they've had of their seven losses, so many of them were winnable in a similar spot. You know, they had a 63-yard field goal beat them, you know, in Carolina after Eli had let him down the field for the go-ahead touchdown. They had a chance certainly to beat – they played Jacksonville early in the season. That may have been the opener. They had a chance there. They actually were in the game against the Saints at home. That was like a one-score game in the fourth quarter. But I, I, my point is the Redskins still play the Giants, and they play them at FedEx. Yes. Don't just count that as a win. Oh, no, I told you. The, okay. wor- the worst po- a point, my worst moment prediction of, of the rest of the season 
is that they lose the second game to a woeful Giants team because they have a habit of doing that. They have done that before in yes. big spots. They, at they, home. they have a habit of, 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 of doing that. One last question about yes. that. Could your quarterback have done what Eli Manning did last night Well, in he, the last two minutes? My quarterback being Kirk Cousins, you no, mean? No, Alex Smith. Oh, uh, I don't know. We haven't seen that. We have not seen it. I mean, I know he's done it before. Right. You know, but he's done it before with the likes of Kareem Hunt and yes. Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey. Yes. And, um, I don't, I don't know if he could have done that. La- on the, I don't know if he's capable of doing that on this team right now. Your whole, they better get a lead. They better not have to come back. Um, you know, the three times they haven't gotten a lead, they haven't been able to come back. And let's face it, not only were they not able to come back, they weren't even able to come close against the last loss against a bad defensive team that Cleveland just lit up. Right. So I no, I don't I, I wouldn't feel comfortable Sunday if they get down against a really good defensive team. And they've got two minutes 14 left. to three at halftime that they can come back, or down 17 13 late in the game that he's gonna drive them 80 yards for a touchdown. Yeah. I don't see how you could. Not against a good defensive team. But, you know, Tommy, he hasn't he hasn't been terrible either. He's not a good quarterback right now. I think everybody would agree with that, but he's not a terrible quarterback. No, he's not. Right he's not throwing two or three interceptions a game. He's not killing you. With, he's with he's that. not going 10 for 25. No, he's not. He's not. And, you know, the the other day, uh, look, he, how many God, how many games has he been under 200 yards? I don't really care about that well, when I they, think, they're winning the games. I think there's a games. remarkable stat well, of, that I think, like, like he's had 178 yards passing exactly in like three or four games this year. It's three out of the last four. Yeah. Yeah, and all three of them were wins, so yeah. who cares? Yeah. Uh, all right, uh, we'll get to this DJ Swearinger um, and Josh Norman, the comments about the fan base and the home field in a moment, but let me tell you about Window Nation. If you hear your furnace going on and off again, over and over again. It's because your windows are old and drafty and they're letting cold air in and hot air out, keeping you up at night. Every time you hear that noise, you're losing money. It's it re- it's basically resulting in higher energy bills. I think it's time for you to pick up the phone and call Window Nation. I've done it twice over the last decade, and Harley and Aaron from Window Nation have provided windows for me and lots of listeners over the years, and I promise you that if you give them a chance... They will deliver. They are a first-rate company, and you've got no risk, too. If you are thinking about new windows and you call Window Nation and you tell them you heard it on the Kevin Sheehan Show podcast, you heard Tommy and Kevin tell you about Window Nation, they will take good care of you. And right now is the perfect time to call because for a limited time, you'll get two free windows for every two you buy. Buy four, get four free. Buy six, get six free. There's no limit. And five full years of 0% financing. So you'll save huge if you call Window Nation today. When they come to install the windows, you'll be able to stay warm. They'll work room by room. They're not intrusive. They've got a great team of installers. Uh, and you'll save just like so many have. In fact, Window Nation has saved customers an estimated $40 million in energy over the years. Call Window uh, Call Window Nation today at 866-90-NATION. Get two free windows for every two you buy. Buy four, get four free, plus 0% interest for five full years. 866-90-NATION or windownation.com. All right, you want to get to... Uh, well, actually, speaking of money, Kevin, mm-hmm. come clean. How much real estate do you own in Crystal City now, buddy? In Crystal City? Yeah. 
you must own you must have some real estate in Crystal City. Is this a an Amazon? Yeah. Angle? Yeah. No, I don't know. I, I don't Oh, ah, come on. I don't own any real estate. A guy in like City. you, you got to have some real estate. I don't there. own any real estate in Crystal City. <laughs> well, no one owns anything in Crystal City anymore cuz it yeah. may not be Crystal City anymore. That's right. Did you hear that? They're they're changing they're, they're going to Amazon wants to change the name. To what? What's it? National National Landing, I think. National Landing. They want to change the name. National Wait a landing. minute. So if you bring a lot of business and a lot of jobs to the local economy by opening up a big facility and headquarters, you get to rename the town? Really? Well, well Jack Ken Cook did it. Yes, he did. With a new stadium in <laughs> Landover. So it's National Landing. That's what it's going to be called. Why don't they like Crystal City? Is there some sort of drug implication? or some? Wh- well, this way they, they get to implicate that they're in the nation's capital somehow. They're just Game of Thrones fans with King's Landing, so National Landing. Call King's go. Landing. Yeah, that's good. Uh, that's good. By the way, yeah. my my uh, my partner in teaching at Georgetown, Marty Conway, has already tweeted, and he's probably right. Uh, don't be surprised to see Amazon go to the front of the line when it comes to naming rights now for the Nationals ballpark. Nationals Park is still Nationals Park 10 years later because the learners are so difficult when it comes to make, making a, a, a move, but but it, that though that naming rights deal is going to get done at some point, and Amazon would be a logical uh, partner for them. What are naming rights worth these days? I don't know. I I've always wondered what the significant benefit is for a company to 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 name a stadium. Remember early on in sort of the naming rights era when companies were paying big money for, yes. for naming rights? Because I don't think the dollars come anywhere near what they used to be. Um, it, I mean, little internet providers. What was the name of the, the Baltimore stadium there? PSINet. PSINet I don't even think exists anymore. And they were spending millions of dollars on stadium naming rights. I don't I'd love to see it's a branding play, obviously, but I'd love to see somebody try to create the the return on investment. I I, I will say you that- know, a lot of it. It's difficult when it comes to marketing to do. I mean, you have to have a leap of faith that uh, whenever you're you know whenever that football team or baseball team is on national TV. They're mentioning your brand yeah. no, maybe it's, it's about 20, 20 times, 25 times a game. I think, too, that if I were a company, I would definitely look at the number of exposures and look at baseball, basketball, and hockey before I looked at football. Football has eight home games a year, eight times a year. You're right. And in a, in a baseball season, you get 81 home dates. Yeah. And it's not just... The television stuff, which is huge, but um, you know, you've got in a lot of these ballparks, Nats Ballpark, you've got close to three million people walking through that park. You know, in it, it's not just the name of the stadium; it's all the branding and signage and exposure around the stadium that's really beneficial. And in a football situation, it's eight times a year. Have you made and it, far fewer people? Have when you, you made an offer to the learners for the Kevin the, Sheehan Show uh, Stadium? God, should we do that? Let's let's find out what the pricing okay. system, system let's is. Let's do that. I'll make some calls. <laughs> Kevin Chi and Show Podcast Stadium <laughs> at Nats Park. All right, let's talk about Josh Norman and DJ Swearinger. Um, Two geniuses. All right, I, I, I'll I'll I, I the the Swearinger comments on top of the Norman comments. I, I'll get to my thoughts in a moment here. For those that missed it, and I can't imagine 
that you did. Uh, Josh Norman basically said, I'd rather play on the road. That it, it's the, That's where the true fans are. Um, they're with us on the road. We feed off of that. Uh, and, you know, it, like when we're at home, it's like we're on other teams' turf. You hear more of them than you do us. Then if something bad happens, you know, we suck. And they sit back in their seats and they boo. Um, and he said, you know, this year I've really started to see that. And then DJ Swearinger, and I didn't have these comments yesterday for the podcast, said, did he say this on 1067 The Fan? 1067 The Fan with okay. Grant and Danny. With, with Grant uh, and, and Danny. So he yeah. said, quote, I would rather play on the road too, most definitely. Um, and where's the rest of that quote? At the end of the day, the fans play a big part in the way defenses can play in the atmosphere out there. Oh, that's that's Mason Foster. I'm sorry, I'm getting confused here. So the DJ Swearinger comment was, "I'd rather play on the road too, most definitely." Uh, I always say, I guess because we're in three different states, we're the Washington Redskins, but we don't play in Washington. We play in Maryland. We live in Virginia. So I don't know if that's that has anything to do with it. No, DJ, it really doesn't. Um, I don't know if we have the full support or, or loyalty from the fans. We may have a lot of Redskins fans, but the loyalty, I don't feel the loyalty. All right, go ahead. Uh, there's so much to unwrap with this. Yes. Let's start uh, with with this notion, the defense of Josh Norman and DJ Swearinger, which I've heard on 106.7 A Fan, which is a station that I appear on, and other places, is that these players are not responsible for all the past sins of this franchise. And what I would say to them is what I said to others in the past is when you put on that uniform and you sign that contract, you inherit everything that comes with that team. And Josh Norman in particular should know this because I went back and I looked at the video when Josh Norman was first introduced to the Washington Redskins after signing his contract. And he talked about the history of this team for coming here. You don't get to embrace the Super Bowls and ignore the, the, the pain. You don't get to just pick and choose the history that you like. If you're going to wrap yourself in the rich tradition of the Washington Redskins, then you're going to have to live with, with, with the misery of the past 25 years because that's part of this history too. So you can't pick and choose, and they all do. They all come here and talk about the Super Bowls and what a great tra winning tradition it that's is. That's part of the tutorial. You know that, right? When they're being wooed. By management, yes. it's part of the whole pitch. Well, that's what I, that makes because, sense because Josh Norman, on his own, more likely than not, doesn't know really. Oh, I, I think and most, have familiarity with the Redskins history. Nah, not not a lot of these guys. Okay. You can hear it's the same speech with every new player that comes to town. It is. It's part of the two. It's part of the presentation. And I, I that's not nothing wrong with that. I'd, I'd make that presentation. I too. would too. But my point is, if you're a player, you can't embrace that and then and then say. But I have nothing to do with what happened in the past 25 years. I love the Super Bowl trophies, but I don't like the empty seats and the dysfunctional owner and all the misery and pain that you guys have suffered. That's your problem, not mine. You can't do that. The Capitals players were the ones that finally recognized this, like guys like Nicholas Backstrom and others. In the beginning, they say, you know, I mean – you know, we're not responsible for the last 20, 25 years of this team. But they figured out that the fans didn't – the fans felt it. And that is why when the Capitals won that Stanley Cup this year, there was such a connection between the fan base and the players because the players 
finally understood what the fans had gone through for decades. And they realized they couldn't, whether fair or not, they couldn't run away from it. It was part of their legacy, too, because when they came here, they inherited it. These Redskins players need to realize that, that when they signed on to play here, they didn't just get the Super Bowls. They got the losing as well. And that's part of their legacy moving forward. And, and to, I mean, the, the, the foolishness, you know, he's right about wanting to play on the road because guess what? Fans, Redskins fans would rather see them play on the road. I mean, I can't tell you how many season ticket holders I've talked to who gave up their season tickets and instead will invest in a trip to an away game now and go watch them play someplace else. The money that they used to spend on season tickets, now they turn into a vacation trip to go see the Redskins play on the road. Um, are you done? Well, that's that starts. <laughs> okay. Uh, okay. I um, First, let me start with this. Everything Josh Norman said about the environment is true. He's not wrong. No, he's not. It, okay, so I, I just want to make sure that we're in agreement on that. No, it, it, he's, it's, it's who's responsible. I actually think he didn't even describe it as harshly as it could be described. But to your point that others around here are trying to take them off the hook, and I guess I did to a certain degree yesterday, um, but what I said was, look, he's not going to understand, and you're saying it's his responsibility to understand why it is the way it is. And I took him off the hook for not understanding it because he hasn't been here for 25 years. And you're saying but he came here knowing the history, so he should understand why. Um, first of all, I, I don't – this may actually work in, in favor of – you know, uh, a, a good crowd Sunday and down the stretch, this sort of conversation, a very open conversation, and a plea from Swearinger and Norman for the crowd to, to, to really come out and help. And by the way, DJ Swearinger's right. The, the, the home crowd in the NFL, in football, is most impactful for the defense. When you are on defense and the crowd is into the game and it's loud, it has an impact on the game. I've heard some players say not much of an impact and others say yeah, there's a significant impact when you're playing in Seattle and it's third and 9 and you're trying to hear the quarterback's signals and and hear the quarterback bark out his cadence. And and Tommy, you know, there there was a time and I know we do this all the time about RFK. Um where the fans didn't need to be told it's third down. Or when they're on offense, a big full-screen Chiron on the score bo scoreboard, we're on offense, hush, quiet. Like, there was a time where this fan base got it. They understood what to do. They didn't need to be coached. And that all of that that I'm describing is part of the whole thing over the years that has turned a lot of people over the age of 35 or 40 off yes. to going to games uh, at FedEx Field. I got the got losing's number one. It's funny to be at, Red, at, at at FedEx Field and to see the scoreboard say, you know, noise. Yeah. And and these days, oh, yeah. 
people sit on their hands. Oh, of course. Yeah. Well, remember at FedEx Field in recent years, and now we're talking about 10 plus years, yes. really. Um, in certain games, you don't have a crowd advantage, a significant crowd advantage in terms of the numbers. You know, even against the Falcons, where did all the Atlanta people come from? I know. You know, be, it, so we've had that going on for a while. And let me also just address your point about road games. You're right. I, I, I've got a lot of friends that will go to road games that won't go out to FedEx Field. But, they, uh, but my friends is, used to spend money yes. at FedEx Field. But this is also a phenomena in general with the teams with large fan followings. The Redskins fan base has always traveled well. You know, going back to when they were winning in a classy organization, they would show up yes. in opponents' parks before it was kind of cool to go to road games. But you see that with the Steelers and the Packers and yeah. Cowboy fans are everywhere. They're all, they're almost a conversation all to themselves. A couple of things I wanted to mention. Number one, so he was right, and it may work to their advantage, this whole conversation. Maybe people will, will respond in a positive way. Um, number two is this. What an opportunity right now for the owner of this organization to take the bullet on this. Because that's where all of the apathy, before that, the anger, the, the environment that Josh Norman and DJ Swearinger are describing is pointed at management, not the players. It is, to a lesser extent, the players over the years that have been brought in, you know, with high price salaries that were past their prime, the Albert Hainsworths, all the all the horrible, you know, free agent moves. I mean, hell, Josh Norman, he better be careful because he's in that category right now of a potential bust signing with the, with the money they've spent on him and his performance. I don't think he's been a bad player, and I actually find Josh Norman interesting to a certain degree because I've had a couple of conversations with him out at the park over the years. I actually think he's a guy, and I've mentioned this earlier, there's there's something to him. I don't know how much, how many conversations you've had with him. I think he's bright. I think he's interesting. He's different. But back to the owner thing. This is an opportunity. Can you imagine if the owner wrote some sort of letter to the fans or went on, how about the, the station that the owner used to own and still has the rights to the team. I mean, in most cities, that's what they would do. They would go on that station, not the competitor's station, like they've always done. But um, imagine like if he went on with Doc and he said, I, I heard what Josh Norman said and I heard what DJ Swearinger said and I'm at every game and it has been disappointing, but I know why. And it's me. It's me and the way this organization has been run and managed over the years, and we have really made it a, made a concerted effort in recent years to change the direction, to change the narrative, to be more attentive to, to you, the fans. I've brought in Brian LaFamina. Brian's got great experience in running organizations. I'm trying to find the right people to set the right course, and we're starting to see the results of that. At six and three, there are a lot of things we could be better at right now, but we've got a six and three football team. But for Josh and DJ and all of the other players, it's me. 
This is where the apathy, this is where the anger and the emotions been directed. This is where all of this has built up. And by the way, this isn't the first year of this. We've had this for a while now. Now, I don't think we've ever seen anything like the Colt game, the home opener for the season, off of an opening day win right. where you had maybe, what was the listed crowd, 50-something? Yeah. And really the people that were there said it had to be in the 40s. Uh, we've never seen that. That was truly unique. That that was the one unique thing this year, the Colt home opener. Because home openers usually, people are, all right, come on, let's let's go have ourselves a season, yes. as our good friend Zabe would say. But they're, 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 look, the fans may, the fans could be completely, uh, you know, it, it, it could be one of those, yeah, right, this is just an opportunist. This is, you know, it's not believable. But there have been a couple of times, Tommy, over the years, and my God, this owner, Dan Snyder, is a recluse when it comes to the media. A recluse. When is the last time we heard from him on any front? You know what? Last time we heard from him, he spoke at the Welcome Home Run luncheon this year, and he basically insulted the former quarterback. That's right. That was the last time we heard from him. Okay. But that's not in in, in a forum uh, or a format where he can address things that we actually really want to hear. Kevin, I, look, I, 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 I'm sorry everybody's going to have to hear this because this is painful. Uh, because, Kevin, I'm going to open your eyes a little bit. There's no Santa Claus, <laughs> okay? There's no Easter Bunny. And Dan Snyder is not going to stand on a soapbox and say, I'm the problem. That's never going to happen. I didn't say it was going to happen. Okay. Did I? No. I know. I, but you might. You I, might as well. Trust said me. That that Santa Claus is going to fly in <laughs> at halftime and, and 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 present the Redskins with a new quarterback. I don't. I'm not even telling you how I would react as a fan to that. I just think that this is this is what DJ Swearinger and Josh Norman aren't familiar with. They're not familiar with the reasons. The reasons aren't them. They, it could be Josh Norman. Josh gets thrown into that bucket of, we're pay paying this guy $17 million a year? Really? Is there a reason Ron Rivera didn't want one of the best corners in the NFL? Um, and then we're trying to play him as a, as a man corner when he was a much better zone corner? You know, our fans know all that stuff. Um, I, I just think that it's all about this organization. This organization's losing. This organization's off-putting arrogance over the years. The embarrassment of many of these situations that, that have been mishandled so poorly. Um, I, just, I was just throwing out on my list of things as we're talking about this. This could be an opportunity for him to actually come out and take a bullet. He's never done that. Has he ever taken a bullet? Oh frame? my gosh, no! So that's why you're convinced it would no, never happen. Absolutely, Maybe. Kevin. He has people surrounding him all the time to tell who him who are there to take the bullets. I know, I know that. And you know, over the years, no one has been able to step up and say, "You realize that you're the problem here." Yeah. Like you can fire me now for saying that, but you got to fix the problem, which is you. So let me just, before we move on from this. I, I'm, not, I'm not ready move to move on because uh, no, no, I, I no, got no, a few from more things to from, say. From just this part of the okay. discussion. What if he did do that? What if he put a letter well, out look to it, the fans? Generally, he when, you, when you do that, you become a sympathetic figure. When, when you go forward and you say, it's on me, even if, look, 
I, I think Lucifer could come out and say, you know, all this stuff in the world, it's me. I'm sorry. I'm going to, things are not going to be that way anymore. Well, of course, people would feel sorry for Lucifer. So, yeah. Well, so, how would it manifest itself moving forward? Would people start to support this team? Would you have a pack? No, house? winning is going to put people in the seats. They are winning. They're six and three. No, but they That's why sh- the timing of it but, and but becoming got, a sympathetic figure show, right now would be better. You've got to show more than half a season of winning. Well, they've. Okay, well, you you answered my question. Yeah. Because that sort of... It would make him a sympathetic figure. I think that's an exaggeration. I don't think anything will ever make him a sympathetic figure. At that moment, he might be. I I don't think anything will ever make him a sympathetic figure in this town. I think it would go a a ways towards doing what you say. That's that's what I'm trying to get at. Would it it be helpful or hurtful? Look, I mean, Josh Norman shouldn't be so ignorant not to know what's going on here. Does he recognize... All the new people at Redskins Park that weren't there last year or the year before, what does he think they're doing there? What does he think this whole army of business people that were imported to Redskins Park were brought in for? Because they're doing such a good job in promoting and selling this team? I mean, all you got to do is look around at all the new faces at, at, the, at the park I know. and say, my God, they had, to, they had to bring in a bunch of hitters because this, this, this franchise is, is such a disaster. One other thing, and, and, and players all do this, fans, you know, this, this word drives me nuts in this day and age of sports, loyalty. Fans are at the bottom of the loyalty chain in all sports. And, and, and it, it, I find it hilarious that players will criticize owners for their lack of loyalty when it comes to cutting players, when it comes to you know not giving players contracts. You always hear from players, well, why should, I mean, what kind of loyalty is that? They've never shown me any loyalty, so why should I show them loyalty? I, I, I have to take care of myself. But that argument isn't okay for the fan, apparently. In other words, the fan who bought your jersey, who paid money to see you play, Josh Norman, you're, you're gone next year, Josh Norman, because you cost too much money. Will you say to the fans, look, I, I really appreciate your loyalty, so I'm going to take less money and stay here for another year and, 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 and help the fan base? No. No one's going to do that. No one would expect them to do that because it's ridiculous. So why would you ask the fans to do the same? Why would you ask the fans to show the same loyalty that you won't show uh, because it comes to money? Because a lot of this with the fans is money. It's an expensive proposition to go to an NFL football game. It's so much more than that, though, with this organization. I One, one thing that I wanted to mention that I haven't mentioned and I, I don't think I mentioned yesterday, you know, FedEx Field and the Redskins situation is bad right now, and it's the worst you know it's ever been. It's been building towards that, but there are other places where it's not very good either. I mean, we're in an age where it's just flat out more cost effective and more convenient to stay home and watch the game. Period. I get that. Okay, it's so an, it's an NFL problem, but if it's, it's an a live N- sporting event problem, yes, it is. Yes, it is. But where things are bad, it's going to be worse. But he, yes, but this particular situation has so much to it because we have gone from having one of the most loyal, to use the word that you don't want used, the most passionate, one of the most raucous and intimidating and impactful home field advantages 
to a complete and utter non-advantage. It's totally benign, the, the environment. In fact, we have seen in that stadium, in certain games, it's almost like playing a road game. And I go back to that 2008 and eight Steelers game that really felt Oh. That night in that stadium, like it was a legitimate road game. And there have been a couple of Cowboy games that have felt that way too. But if you can sort of provide a star and a winner and hope, then you can end up too, even in this terrible stadium, inconvenient stadium, bad cost, bad ownership, lots of, uh, you know, treatment of, of, of the fan base over the years that's been incredibly off-putting, you can still end up with a Seattle playoff crowd like we had in January of 2013, which was the most electric environment that stadium has ever had since it opened in 97. Yeah. And and a lot of that was RG3. Yeah, I'll uh, grant you all you know, that. And, and the hope and the arrow was really pointing up in that particular moment. And then at the end of the and game, the, it was... The arrow was, of self-destruction. Yeah, it was completely wiped out with with the with the injury but i i um i I, let me just bounce one thing off you yes you talked about this uh you talked about the passion of this fan base how it used to be it used to be okay now if a fan base is that passionate consider it a a girl that you were in love with okay and and you you were you you had this great relationship with this girl you were both in passionate love okay and 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 things soured things just don't become indifferent they usually turn to hate at some point. In other words, if you're really passionate about something and you feel betrayed, you're going to go in the opposite direction. Very, very interesting point that you're making. Really, because if you're going to be passionate about loving them, then you're going to be passionate about hating them. You know what, Tommy? You just hit on a whole other part of this problem. I did? Yes, you did. (laughs) Because we both know people who were passionate and in love to the point where nothing was ever going to change that. And those people now are not, they went from being angry and, you know, why can't we get this thing back working? Yes. And you got to change. You got to be better. You got to be more giving (laughs) to completely apathetic to now. God, I can't stand her. Yeah. How did I ever date her? So if you're going to really care about something. I know a lot of people that have checked out not because they're apathetic and they just don't care as much, but because they dislike. And this is where we get to, it's not just been about the losing, because there's nothing lovable about this loser. No. There have been lovable losers like the Cubs for years, and I don't know enough about their organization. But the organization embarrassed you so many times. Their behavior was so at times head scratching and like a direct affront to you as a fan of the team. They've done so many things that you just sort of shook your head and said, that's not only dumb, that's mean. You know, that's not right. It's not appropriate. Like over the years, whether in recent years, the, 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 the anonymous leak to the post, and you know this, that was the one that for me, God, I, I've, I don't think I've ever been that angry at the organization as a lifelong fan. I thought it was so low rent to leak anonymously to the post Summarining Scott McLuhan in you know publicly for being drunk at work, for being drunk during games, for just being an out and out drunk, and oh, but it's so it's not our fault. 
that were about to fire him. Right. And I just thought, not only was it stupid because it would it was going to backfire, which it did, and they're not they have not been a very smart public relations company. We know that over the years, but it was mean spirited. And those kinds of events over the years have probably made a portion of the fan base not just apathetic, but they don't really like them anymore. I don't know how that happens when you had it, when you were so in love, but your analogy is a good one because eventually you look at that person that you dated for so long and you're like, I can't stand her. And I don't know how that ever happened. How did I ever spend four years with her? I mean, when you're passionate about something, the passion pendulum swings both ways. So can you get those people back ever? Not to the same level of passion, but I don't know. Not to the same level. It'll never be what it was. But then you can say that about What if she things. lost a bunch of weight and just looked smoking <laughs> hot and all of a sudden became just different? Like, you know, I was immature and I was young, but you know, I, look I could, at me now. I could introduce a whole other factor into this thing, but we that, that's a whole show in itself, so I'm not going to do that. All right, well, we'll save it for another show. Yes, then. we will. Okay. Are we done with that topic? I think so. What do you think? Uh, will there be a reaction Sunday, because they have a home game Sunday, in what will the reaction be? Will there be anti-Josh Norman uh, when he makes a play or doesn't make a play or gets introduced? Will there be a reaction from fans that say, you know what, they're 6-3. and three. Uh, They're playing a game Sunday to get to 7-3 and three for the first time in 22 years. 7-3. and three. Not, That's not 9-1. Nine, 7-3 not nine for the first time since 96. Uh, maybe I'm going to jump on board with this team. I, I don't. They'll be both. They'll be both. There's going to be both. But you know what? If they stink up the place early, it will be ugly. It will be really ugly. If they come off that field at halftime, having turned in a poor first half performance and they're down, they'll get booed right off the field. You know, the, the other thing that Josh Norman said that I wanted that I didn't mention yesterday, which is really the inaccurate part of what he said, because most of what he said was true. It's just not a good home field advantage. It's a terrible, terrible environment right now out at FedEx Field. Um, Hopefully that changes. I'd love to see. There's nothing better than when you're on defense in a big game in November and December and the other team can't hear signals and you get, you know, a jump on on the left tackle. Kerrigan does and he hits the quarterback blindside and there goes the ball and you pick it up and, you know, you got possession. That defensive possessions in NFL or college football stadiums are the most electric a stadium can get. Um, but the uh, the thing he said about the Meadowlands, there there wasn't anybody at the Meadowlands when they went up to see the Giants. And Philadelphia fans have booed their team this year. You know, Philadelphia won the Super Bowl last year, and they've gotten booed at home this year, including Sunday night against the Cowboys. So okay, here's my favorite quote about this, and it deals with players and owners from North Dallas Forty, but fans and players could Matt do Davis. the same thing. No, this was actually John Matuzak who was saying to the coaches, every time we say it's a game, you say it's a business. Every time we say it's a business, you say it's a game. The fans could say the same thing to the players. 
Farish, Chrysler, Dodge, Jeep, and Fairfax should be on your list if you're considering something new. Go to FarishCars.com right at the end of this podcast. You'll see all of their live inventory, live pricing right there. It's an easy-to-navigate website. It's easy because Ralph Perkins, who runs Farish, and Kevin Farish, who owns Farish, they're smart. They know their customers. They know what you want. They make it very easy for you. I promise you that if you give them a chance, they won't disappoint. Their sales team is experienced. Most of their sales reps have been at Farish for 20 years. Their service department is the best. Uh, Plenty of inventory on the lot right now. I talked to Ralph Perkins uh, over the weekend. Whatever you're looking for, you will likely find it in the make, model, and color and be able to drive it off the lot that day. Lots of Jeeps right now. The Compass Sport, the Compass Latitude, Jeep Renegades, and then Cherokees, Grand Cherokees, and Wranglers right now uh, can be had for some of the best deals of the year. If you like this show and you're thinking about buying something new, I give you my word that you will be taken care of if you head out to Farish and Fairfax. Ask for Ralph Perkins. He's in the store every day. They're located right there in the center of Fairfax and Fairfax Circle, and you can find out everything they have on their lot right now with live inventory, live pricing at FarishCars.com. All right, uh, there are a few things non-Redskins related to get to uh today tommy one of them is that the wizards won last night they've won two Two in a row row. and bradley beal after the game said the following quote y'all pissed him off talking about john wall (laughs) it's y'all's fault he's gonna come out and play like wolf wall it's wolf season tommy so that's what we need him to do and i'm happy y'all kind of lit a little flame under him oh my embarrassment god are you serious? You told me. I didn't see these comments until yeah. you just told me about them a few minutes ago. Just keep your mouth shut, both of you. This is another situation. What is it with the teams in this town? Not the Caps. They're no. great guys. Yeah, Actually, the Nats, except for Bryce Harper. I like Bryce Harper. But nobody else uh, what, what punched is, any wolf tickets on the Nats. Wolf season? You just beat Orlando for a second win in a row. You're 4-9. And you know what? You didn't play that great. Wall had 25 points, 10 assists. It was one of his better games statistically. There were still some of those possessions. And I watched this. I'm just sitting there. I'm like, can we just run something? Do we have to watch John dribble at half court as the shot clock's burning, you know, burning down to seven seconds and then see one ball screen? Now they were using Jeff Green in the ball screen last night, and if they if they hedged and they tried to double John off of it, Jeff Green was great last night. I mean, he was he was sensational shooting the ball. Uh he was four for four. Actually, he missed one late off-balance shot clock winding down. Three, but he made his first four threes. He's a good player. Uh, from the opener, I said he's going to be a positive impact on this team. But come on, Bradley, stop! It's not wolf season. It's never been wolf season. No, it's it's embarrassing. It's a, but but this whole franchise is embarrassing. It's a joke. It's 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 an absolute joke. Except that they could win a few games in a row here. I mean, they probably won't. But they have. This was the first of. A five-game homestand. You know, they've got Cleveland. They should be able to beat Cleveland. They've got Brooklyn, Portland at home. They've already beaten Portland once. Uh, then they get the Clippers at home. Then they go to Toronto. So they've got four home games. If they somehow ran all four of them, they're 8-9. and nine. They're within a game of 500. You know, uh, Dwight Howard, their, their, their resident philosopher, said, <laughs> no, nobody, nobody's going to remember November. And that may be the case. But you know what people remember? 
1980 through 2017. Oh, God. That's what people remember. What's Ernie's record right now? Do you have it top I don't, of your head? I, no, I don't, I don't have it. Um, can I mention one thing to you about the Wizards? Uh, Dwight Howard is actually a huge key to whether or not they're going to be well, of course a, team, he is. A, a team that can win enough games to get into the postseason. I'm not going to give you that magic number that I've always hoped for, but a team that might be able to win 41 or 42 after the horrific start yes. and be in the postseason. Yes, of course he's the key. He, he's he's a, the key wherever he's been. I know. And he doesn't and, and, and he doesn't turn it. I understand that. I understand that. I'm just saying that Enough with really, the Wizards. really their lineup with him on the floor, you know, you've just got a little bit more there defensively. I've actually liked him as an offensive go-to guy a little bit. He's he's got more moves. Uh, but, but, stop but whatever. You okay, stop. You We're done. Yourself. Okay. okay. What do you want to talk about? Uh the Capitals got some good news. Tom Wilson's uh suspension. How did was, that happen? Well, I mean, he was allowed to appeal again. The suspension, once he appealed to Bettman, uh, he was allowed to appeal to a, a neutral arbitrator who reduced it from 20 to 14 games. Now, he's already missed 16 games, so he could, he, he could play tonight. I think the Caps play tonight. Uh, he'll get a couple of extra game checks back. but those They're two, in Minnesota tonight, I think, the, right? Those, those two games are, are gone. So he wound up serving 16 games of what turns out to be a 14-game suspension. And I think moving forward— Do you think the commissioner's upset? No, he was pretty adamant. No, but but his message was sent. It doesn't matter. The message it was a message uh, d- discipline and a message specifically to one guy. Okay, now if Tom Wilson keeps playing and keeps doing what he did, then he's a psychopath and he doesn't belong in the NHL. Do you know what place the Capitals are in right now in the Metropolitan? Not too good, I don't think. All right. Do you know how many? Uh, let me let me start over again. How many teams are in the Metropolitan Division, Tommy? Sixty-five. How many teams are in the Metropolitan Division? Sixty-five. <laughs> Take, oh, you know, I could ask you these same questions, and you wouldn't know if you had a computer didn't have a computer screen I, up. I do have the standings up in front of me right now. That's true. Okay, so I, what? I, I'll tell you what. Let me let me rephrase. You know, I name could, five teams that are in what? the division. With I them. could concentrate a lot better. If you know Kevin got a TV in the studio. Yep, we've got a TV in the studio. Yeah, for the first time. And I said to him, I said, "Why, why aren't we watching porn on there? Yep. Because how many times can we do radio and actually watch porn at the same time? We, we could have done that in I any concent- studio I that concent- we've been in. No, we couldn't have. Why? Are you kidding Scott me? Scott Lynn did it all the time. <laughs> <laughs> we would have been sued. Um. I could concentrate a lot better if there was porn on the on the screen here. Uh, yeah, but I, I'm not watching porn with you. No offense. Eight teams in the Metropolitan Division. The Capitals are in seventh place right now. I said they weren't doing too good. No, they're not doing too good. No. They're not doing are too good. Are you worried? No, I'm not worried. I just, you know, they've lost two in a row. <clears throat> the, the way the season started, remember that first couple of nights, the conversation was, this team's the best team they ever had. This team's much better that was, than that last was year's team. I know. You, you weren't the only one, though. Yes. I think we had a couple of people on this podcast that said the same thing. They're just, you know, they're really, they're much better in getting the, you know, the 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 monkey off their back by winning it all. This is going to be a team that really dominates this year. Well, well they're in well, seventh place out of eight at, teams in their division. Look at, just re- pointing it out. And re- they play the Minnesota Wild tonight, and the Wild are are having a great season so far. I well, bet you didn't know that. Yes, I did. Re- <laughs> really? What kind of season are the Wild having? I think you just said so. A great season. <laughs> Very good. Reard's it's just having a little problem getting him, getting his message across. 
you know? You know, because I don't know if you know this. What? But the coach who won the Stanley Cup last year, he's not there anymore. No, he isn't. And apparently, he's, he's up in New York coaching he, the Islanders. He's coaching the Islanders. Who are doing pretty good, I think. Uh, the Islanders aren't doing – they're a point better than the Caps right yeah. now. They're 8-6 and two overtime losses. Yeah. So they're not doing too bad. They're, are they, a team that lost their big free Are they in the Caps in the division or in the other division in the Eastern Conference, the Islanders? They're in the other division. <laughs> no, they're not. <laughs> they're in the Caps division. Uh, Mr. Hockey himself. Uh, By the way, I got a few other things I want to get to. Okay, go ahead. I, I do too, but go ahead. Game of Thrones is coming back in April. Can't wait. I know oh, you can't wait on it. I know. It gives you a lot of time to figure out what you're going to wear while you're watching it. No, I just wear normal clothes. Yeah, well, we'll it's not, I've told you a million times, and I'll leave it at this. You would love it no. if you gave it a chance and you started with season one. You would come back a month or three weeks later and say, I was wrong. You were right. It's the best show. One of the top five shows oh I've ever watched. Oh, my God. It's too close to Dungeons and no, Dragons No, it isn't. For me. It isn't that. We Absolutely. should definitely do a podcast God. where we show up episode one and we do live commentary. I, well, I'd like him to watch episode one on his own because if he watches episode one on his own, then he's going to come back in saying he watched the first five. That's what would happen. All right, what are the other things you have? Look, I want to tell you about how we do football in East Stroudsburg, Pennsylvania. For Thanksgiving? No, no, not any. Not, we don't play the Thanksgiving Day game anymore. Uh, the head coach for East Stroudsburg High School, Ed Christian, is retiring at the end, uh, at, 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 at when the, se- well, the season's over, they won the district title in his last year as coach. He's been the head coach there for 38 years. Wow. He's been the coach on that staff for 52 years. <sighs> he was my high school freshman English teacher. Seriously? Yes. And he's retiring and he's from coaching. he's still there. Yes. How old is he? Oh, I don't know. So he's probably in his 70s and was in his 20s when you were there? He was probably about 22 when he got hired, I think, out of King's College. Uh, And uh, 52 years coaching there, 38 years as head coach, goes out with a district championship uh, on his resume. So congrats to Ed Christian, uh, who was one of my favorite teachers there. And now we're not done with that because this is how we do football in East Stroudsburg. East Stroudsburg University used to be called East Stroudsburg State College. When I lived there, uh, the home of uh, James Franklin, who played football there at East Stroudsburg, his coach was Denny Head Dowds. Head coach at Penn State. His coach was Denny Dowds at East Stroudsburg. Denny Dowds is retiring after 45 years as the head coach at East Stroudsburg University. When you're born in East Stroudsburg, you <laughs> stay in East Stroudsburg. That, that's the way we do football there, baby. Um, you know, since you mentioned some high school football, uh, I, I will just mention this because, you know, you, you know this, and I think a lot of people out there know it. This is a great high school basketball area. It's a great basketball area. It's probably the top high school basketball area in the country, but football is pretty damn good too. And St. John's was ranked, um, I think they were in the top 15 nationally. And Gonzaga beat them in the WCAC semifinals the other day, which was a big upset, and they won 24-14. So it'll be Gonzaga playing DeMatha, who's also in the national top 25 uh, in the WCAC uh, final. I think it's this weekend. I think it's either Saturday or Sunday at Catholic University. If somebody wants to tweet that to me, I'll get the information out tomorrow. I'm not exactly sure. Aaron, look that up. I think they're playing it at Catholic on either Saturday or Sunday. 
Uh, you talk about future – it's future NFL talent on the field yes. when DeMatha plays. And they're not playing St. John's in the final, which everybody thought it would be. They're going to play Gonzaga, who's also loaded with talent. It's Sunday. Is it at Catholic? It is at Catholic, yes. Okay, so it's a Catholic on Sunday. Um, the other thing that I had for you, did you see this story about the Monday night game in Mexico City? That it, there's the possi- the NFL is considered either moving it or postponing it because of horrible field conditions at Aztec Stadium. So they this is this is a problem apparently. Now, right now, the official statement as of earlier this morning is that the NFL has said the game is on for Sunday night. Um, they they are quote working closely with the field manager at Azteca Stadium uh, to ensure an NFL quality surface for the game. Uh, so they're right now it's in Mexico City, but they have, they've thought about moving it to Los Angeles because this must be a this is a Rams home game. I'm assuming the Rams are giving up a home game for this, so they're uh, thinking about moving it to Los Angeles or postponing it until the field gets in better condition. Now, what would they do with that? Would they play it on Thanksgiving night? Like, would they would they add a Thanksgiving Day game? When were they talking about postponing it to? I mean, when, what are the opportunities for postponing that game? I guess they both have bye weeks. They have they haven't had their bye weeks. The Rams right. definitely haven't. I don't know about the Chiefs. Yeah, because the Redskins have played nine, and these are two nine in one teams, so they must have their bye week scheduled for after this. Which, of course, then you could move it. Uh, so I think that's actually accurate. Yeah, they they do have their yeah. bye week but, next week. But Kevin, you're missing the whole point of what this is. Uh, this is just a smokescreen because obviously the NFL is worried if they let their players go to Mexico. The president won't let them back in the country. I mean, <laughs> that's, that's, what, that's what they're worried about. Right. They're worried about once they leave, they won't be allowed back. Okay. <laughs> uh, I mean, I would think you could figure that out. Well, uh, listen, I think I, I think the way things are, are sort of set up, they'd be able to figure a way back in. <laughs> there are through ways, tunnels? Yeah, there's, there through, apparently through are ways tunnels? to get in. <laughs> Oh God, I don't want to get into that. What else did we have for the show today? I think that that'll do it. Isn't that isn't that it, Aaron? Did we miss anything? I don't think we missed anything. Did you want to do coaching blunders? Uh, I don't have it ready. I'll do it tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> um, I have a couple of them written down, and the Coach Patrol tweeted a bunch of them. They were really upset with the way Maryland, uh, Matt Canada, handled that game. I, I'm just going to tell you, I watched the end of the game. I didn't watch. Wasn't watching the whole game. I will. Somebody um, tweeted me yesterday and said, "No, it was a text from Tim Murray, our good friend Tim Murray." And he said, I- "I'm writing. Um, I'm writing an article about Maryland's new coach. Who is? Who's on your list of I candidates?" I got that same text. And I just said, I-, "I don't have a list of candidates." And he's like, "Why not?" And I'm like, "I don't know. I don't really care. <laughs> I, do- I don't. I Maryland football, Tommy, is irrelevant. It's irrelevant." And this is my school, and this is a team that I used to have great passion for. I'm going to tell you this right now. You've said it, and I said it from the get-go. Going to the Big Ten has really hurt Maryland athletics in so many ways. Just so many, like, there's just an emotional attachment that a lot of people had to Maryland sports in the ACC that I don't think they have anymore. No. And I'm... 
if Maryland football gets good, I'm going to be on board. And I and I've gone to a game, and I may go. I may actually go Saturday. It's a 12 noon game against Ohio State, and I'm rooting for them. And I was rooting for them to beat Indiana at the end of that game. But I haven't even thought about the next coach. I really haven't. Uh, the controversy that went on here, well, the controversy, the issues that they've had, uh, and the tragedy that they were tra- that, that that happened, and then they were trying to deal with Tommy. I don't really. Well, there's a fatigue level now. Uh, level now, you really don't want you don't want to even hear about Maryland football anymore. But Maryland football has been second place at that school, a distant second forever. And when they haven't been good, no one's really people check out. They've checked out yeah. when they're they're not good. I still am angry too that they ever fired Ralph Friesian. Not that you could hire him back now. I'm not saying that. It's now been eight years, but I just thought that was one of the dumbest things ever. Made no well, sense. I can just say this. Now that we've talked about Maryland football, we We're, have talked about everything. That's it. That is it. Okay. All right. Um thanks to Aaron. Thanks to you. Uh, you were great today. I really thought you performed well. <laughs> and we're back together on Thursday tomorrow. Uh, big show and probably a really good guest. One of my favorite guests that I haven't had yet on the show, on this podcast yet, will be with me tomorrow. I just can't say who it is, but tune in for it. What? Are you going to talk about the uh, uh, impending weather tomorrow? Oh, about the potential snow on yes, Thursday? This is this is yeah. your season. It's about to start. I, I, I did see that this morning, so I'll have a forecast update for you tomorrow on the podcast. Okay, because, you know, I'm supposed to come here Thursday <laughs> to do the podcast. Well, where you live, it's a completely different weather uh, situation anyway. Because yes, you, you live about two hours north of here. Yes, a different time zone. In a different time zone. And you will have, yeah, you could have actual accumulating snow. On Wednesday night, Thursday. So we we could you have some, ha- and you hate it. We could have some issues Thursday morning. <laughs> oh, you'll be fine. You'll be fine. Uh, thanks to Launch Workplaces. If you are looking for uh, a place to work, if you live in the Bethesda Chevy Chase Upper Northwest DC area, and you don't want a long commute, and you're not getting the work done at home because of kids or dogs or whatever. Go to launchworkplaces.com today, or you can call for an exclusive free two-day trial. They have flexible and affordable private office solutions, beautiful new space, fully furnished offices, conference rooms, co-working desks, high-speed internet, a cafe, complimentary drinks, and free parking. And uh, that's always huge. And access 24 hours uh, a day, seven days a week. Call 240-800-6714 or go to launchworkplaces.com today. Have a great day, everybody. Take care.